the Lord will speak to your heart. Some of you may be finding yourself in the same place this morning, frustrated. Maybe God feels very far away. You feel helpless in your situation. Maybe you're struggling this morning with with a son or a daughter who's gone astray, who you've invested your life into, and you feel like they're not reciprocating or following the Lord like you've really poured into them. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage this morning. God, where are you? If I'm falling after you, why in the world am I struggling in my marriage? Where have you gone? Where are you, God? Maybe you're feeling discouraged by the current state of the American politics system. Maybe you're watching the news and you're like, God, where are you? And maybe you're feeling depressed. By this current state and and the the running candidates. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe it's a continued sickness in your life. Maybe you are just ran down and sick and continuously thinking, why does this happen to me? God, where are you? Maybe you feel wounded or even hurt by others in this church or people in your family, by your moms, by your dads. Maybe you've just carried that in your heart for so long and you're just like, God, I'm following you. Why am I having these issues? Where are you? Maybe you continue to fail in an area of sin. And you're like, God, why do I keep coming back and coming back to this thing? This is not what I want to do in my life Maybe you might even be at an unhealthy spiritual place, depressed, where you have ostracized God or you've cut God off. And you said, I've been I've been sick of this situation. I can't handle where I'm at anymore. And so you just it's like we stiff arm God and we say, God, I don't need you. What are you doing for me right now? You feel so far away. So we ostracize him and say, God, you know, I don't need to come to church anymore. I don't want to be involved. I'll come sit in a pew on Sunday. But really, I'm not going to engage with you because I don't feel you. You're too far away. And, and maybe we feel like that in our spiritual walk. And we've, we've kept him at a distance. We've cut him off because we're struggling. You can find your way back to that sweet relationship with the Lord. You can find joy. You can fight for it. Lord, we thank you, Father. You are a good father. You care about your children. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to come this morning and impart truth into our lives. God, we pray for, for that you meet us each in our own situation where we are struggling. And that you help us and instruct us in our hearts to follow you, to fight, and to go after you with everything we have. God, release joy in this place this morning. Release healing God, release transparency and brokenness and humbleness that we might be restored. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. In verses 3, 9, and 10, let's read them. My, my tears have been my food day and night. Why they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Verse 9, I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? 
Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? And with this deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. Why they, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Clearly, the, the psalmist, which many believe it's David, clearly he is lamenting, he is oppressed, he is inwardly fighting uh, things, and he is outwardly fighting things as he's being afflicted, like even verse 10 says, like a wound to me in my bones. So he's struggling both internally and externally. He's oppressed, downcast, and clearly emotionally affected by his circumstances. But church, if we just stop right there and we live according to our emotions, then we are in a world of hurt. We're in a world of hurt. There is no hope in your emotions. It's not. If we continue to live by our emotions, we will continue to be downcast. We will continue to be struggling and we'll continue in a downward spiral. So let's look at what the psalmist is telling us. Things that we can get from these scriptures to fight against just having our emotions because we have the power of the Lord. And so verse, verse 1 and 2 in chapter 42 says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come? And appear before God. And so point number one today. Have a thirst for God. That's really where it begins. To have a thirst for him. In these two verses we see a common theme. And it is that very word thirst. The deer is thirsty. And his soul is thirsty. Being thirsty, it's a longing to be in the presence of God. As we see, it says, when shall I come and appear before God? He's saying it's a longing to be in the presence of God. Someone who is who is desperate to be in God's presence. We're desperate. God, I can't do this on my own. I need to drink of your living water. May you take a drink of water uh, like the lady at the well. He says, listen, you're going to be thirsty again. But if you drink of me. And what he's saying is, is, listen, if you come to me and you drink of me, I will satisfy you. I'm here to satisfy you. But when we go on and we drink from, from the, the water of this world, it does not satisfy us. We, we are continually to be unsatisfied as we long for other things. So the first question I have for us is, what are we longing for this morning? What are we desperate for? What are we thirsty for? Are we coming to drink in the presence of God Almighty? Or are we drinking more from the world? We can come to a place where we lose our thirst. Not because God is not supplying the everlasting water that satisfies us, but because we are trying to fill our satisfaction with other things. We have to long after being in God's presence. And by verse 4, we can see the importance and power of corporate worship and a transaction that takes place during it. Verse 4 says this. He's remembering, the psalmist is remembering, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession 
to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. You know, this, this was, it's almost, he's, he's talking about being back like in Jerusalem and, and leading the, in the presence of God, leading the people into the presence of God where they're, where they're singing and praising him. Isolation does not work. It does not work. But the first thing in our fleshly human self that we do when we become discouraged in the Lord is we tend to isolate ourselves. We don't want to come to church. We don't want to be around people. We don't want to be involved in extracurricular things. And we just kind of isolate ourselves. We shut down. And we think that we're protecting ourselves from something. If I, if I just isolate myself, then no one will know my issue. No one will know I'm struggling. And that's so wrong. All you're going to do is continue to cut yourself off from people who will encourage you. People who will read the word of God over you. And when we, when we stop coming to church, we, we focus more on our inward self than focusing on God. And it becomes about us. And we get caught up in our misery and our struggle. And there is zero hope. Zero hope when we isolate ourselves. When we're struggling, come and praise the Lord and lift your eyes upon him. Praising God changes the position of our heart from inward to outward. And so when we come uh, on a Sunday morning, the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together of the believers. I believe that means in church. I believe that means going over to each other's houses and praying and encouraging and fellowshipping with one another and, and speaking life into one another. And that's, that's, that's what it's all about. But when we isolate ourselves, we're cut off from all of that. Come, be instructed. Have, your, have the word of God preached to you and have your soul uplifted. Don't cut yourself off. Number two, remember what God has done with his faithfulness. Remember what God has done with his faithfulness. In two verses in this passage, verse 4, which we just read, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I go into the throng and lead the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. And then in verse 6, Verse 6 says, And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. He's saying, I remember. He's remembering his God. And guys, that's what we need to do. We need to remember what God has done in his faithfulness. You guys know the song, Here I Raise My Ebenezer, which is taken out of Scripture. It means, Here I Raise My Stone of Remembrance. Here I raise it. And a lot of times we, we get caught in the struggles and we're like, everything that God has ever done is like out the window. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm being honest. I've been there. So I'm with you. Right? We're like, he forgot me. Whatever. Like, uh, and we're doing our, a different thing. But what we need to do is we need to set down our stone of remembrance and remember our God. Remember his faithfulness. Remember what he's, what he's doing. Because listen, he has not left you. It says he will never leave us nor forsake us. He's not leaving us. We are leaving our eyes focused on him and focusing on our inward selves. And so to recorrect that, we can raise our Ebenezer, our stone of remembrance. And when Manny and I were going through this, we literally sat down together. And we said, man, 
Look what God has done. Look, these two ladies, like everything that the, the, Satan was telling us was bad, we would go and like find the good that God has done and his faithfulness in that. Okay, we were struggling with the, the ladies at the house of victory, right? They were causing all sorts of issues. Man, the flesh was just strong. And, you know, it was like, what is going on? And, um, and so we just went back and he's like, no, listen, look at the two ladies who were saved, who changed, who, are, who have been successful, who God has raised up to be future leaders of this home. That's his faithfulness. That's his faithfulness. Oh, man, we're, we're stuck in this, this country. No, look what God did to get us there. Miracles. I can sit here and recount to you time after time again, financial miracles, other miracles, where it's like there's no explanation to get us to Tanzania, but that God showed up and that he provided. I mean, it's crazy. All right, we, we were like, we're in the midst of homeschool this year, and we were like... I mean, it just feels weighty sometimes when there's like no one to talk to about it. And you know what? We never asked for a penny. We just prayed and someone gave $14,000. So that must be used for your kid's education and they can go to international school next year. But here we were in our own struggle thinking, oh, this is horrible. What is going on with our children? It's so hard to homeschool. And they were like, no, remember God's faithfulness. Remember three months ago when someone sent $14,000? Who does that? God and his faithfulness. But you see the shift of what it does? We're here thinking of all the negative things and how it's impacting us personally But when we start to really think about it and raise our stone of remembrance and call those things forward, which God has done in our lives, it's like, no, he's here. He's faithful. We're just not remembering. And that's what we need to do. If you're struggling with something today, pull up the stone of remembrance and say, this is what God has done in my life. He has not forgotten you, church. He has not seen you. In fact, the Bible says that his hand is not too short to save. It's not. He's there and he's 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 calling upon you to say, listen, I've got you. I've got it. I haven't got anywhere. I'm going to be faithful and he cannot be contrary to his word. Number three. We need to understand our position in God's love. Point three, verse number eight. The psalmist recalls, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. He commands his love towards us. We were singing that song this morning. I'm like, whoa, somebody knew. This is the point. God commands his love towards us. Listen, you might feel, we might, you might be like me and feel like, God, where are you? Like me, like the psalmist. So I'm sure more of us are like that. God, where are you? Where is your love? He's like, no, son, no, daughter. I'm commanding my love towards you all the time. I'm a good father. Don't forget, I'm a good daddy. I'm here for you. I'm loving you. Come, embrace my love. But you see, when we have this, when we forget the standing of love that we have with God, our life spins out of control. Because think of it, if, if your kids are struggling through a hard time, if you're a parent, your kids have gone through a hard time. I'm sure of it. And, and if you don't, aren't a child, they, they will go through a hard time. I'm sure of it. 
We go through hard things. But you know what? If your child, if you stiff arm them and you don't show them love and compassion and caring when they go through the hard time, it's going to get worse. Right? They're going to feel like even my parents don't give a rip. Right? And so if we have that position before God and say, God doesn't give a rip about my situation. He is far from me. He doesn't love me. Then that creates a problem. Our view is skewered. Right? But when we remember and say, no, my God loves me. Remember, just like people were saying this morning, he sent his son, Jesus, and we can look at the life of Jesus and there's nothing but love there. Nothing but love. He always went to people who were struggling, who were in need, and he rescued them. But if you don't understand and position yourself into God's love, then you don't feel like he can rescue you. You know what I'm saying? Be put in a position where God can rescue you because you believe that he loves you and that he's a good father. And that he is for you. He is not against you. He is not going to leave you. He will not forsake you. No weapon forged against you can stand because you've got God as your rock and your shield. And that's what he says. God is my refuge. Because he understands God loves me. He's, he's commanding it. He's commanding his love towards me. Even through the hard time, the psalmist recounts God's love for him. The love of God is amazing and powerful. The very nature of God is love. In 1 John 4, 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love... This is the... Um, uh, the NIT, I think. And so we, because I love the way it says it. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in them. My favorite part is, and so we know and rely on God's love. If we're not relying on God's love, if we're not counting on that, That's depressing. I mean, it is. We need to understand God loves us. He cares for us. And he is there for us. When you're in a very low place and you're struggling, you must continue to know that God loves you. Verse 5 and 11. Hope in God. Verse 5 and 11, they say the same thing, so I'll read one or close to him. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you within turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. Listen, we've already said that this psalmist is, is struggling. He's emotionally distraught, but he's, he's recounting all these things. And he understands, okay, that hoping in God that one day he will again be joyful. Like he once was. We have to fight to have hope in God. We have to fight to have hope in God. Because if you've given up hope, you can't hope in yourself. You can't hope that someone on earth will come rescue you out of your situation. Because we have to have our hope placed in God. And if you have given up hope today, if it is not in God, then we need to change that to where we're hoping in God because He is our only hope. You will search forever to find help. But without God, 
it, it won't happen. Hope in him that he is your defender. That when he is for you, who can be against us? Preach the hope to yourself. That's what he's doing. And that's the verse that God put into my heart. Was like, listen, your soul is downcast, son. That's what he was saying to me. Brian, your soul is downcast. Speak to yourself. Speak to your soul and say, listen, stop that. Hope in your God. Hope in me. And that's what he's saying to you this morning. And whatever struggle that you're going in, he's saying, hope in me, child. Hope in me. And you will again praise his name. You might feel like there is no way I am too far gone. You are not too far gone. You are not called to live in a state of depression. You are not called to live in this perpetual state of I'm struggling and and God is far from me. Hope in him. Hope in him. He will do it. John Piper said this. Have you realized that you are most your most unhappy times in your most unhappy times? You are listening to yourself rather than speaking to yourself. I was like, I agree with that. Why are you downcast, soul? Remember, hope in God. He is our salvation. When we start listening to our emotions and just wrapped up and this is horrible. My situation is never going to change. And we're just listening. We're listening to those things instead of speaking. But when we start speaking God's truth over our own souls and our own hearts and saying, no, Man, he is for me. He is not against me. He has not left me. I will hope in God because he is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my defender. He is my protector. His arm is not too short to save. Man, he sent his son Jesus to give me hope. When we start speaking that over our own soul, it is vastly changing where we're placing our hope and where we're going. And it's vastly going to change the way we go through this hard time. Uh, let's go to chapter 43. Verse 3. He says, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I'll praise you with my lear, O God, my God. And then we see again, why are you downcast, O my soul? We need to pray for God to guide you and me into all truth and to light. Because when we're in this situation, we're in darkness. This isn't how God intended it. Right? I mean, it's, it's not. He, he came to take us out of darkness. And so we need to get out of the darkness. But that's going to happen as God guides us. Into the light and into the truth. And where do we find the truth? We can only stand on the authority of God's word. Anything else that we're looking forward to truth is not truth. It is not absolute truth. And so if we want to instruct our souls, if we want to get out of our situation, we need to go to the truth. But many times we get upset with God and we ostracize and we say, God, I'm going to go my own way. This isn't working. I don't feel you. And we get our eyes on ourselves and other things. We need to ask him to guide us into all truth. We need to pray, Holy Spirit, reveal your truth 
through the word of God. The difference in knowing truth in your mind. There's a difference between knowing truth in your mind and knowing truth in your heart. You see, because it's uh, in part of the teen challenge curriculum that we teach, we, um, one, we need to understand the facts. Before you agree with something the Bible says, you understand the facts of what the Bible says, what it presents, what God's telling you. But then the second part of that is you have to agree with those facts and say, yeah, God has that for me. Whether you agree with it or not, it's still truth, right? But if you want it to get into your heart, you have to agree with that. And then your emotions and everything else comes into that, and you're all in. It's difference between, there's a lot of people who know the facts, but they're still living a life that's not Christ-like. It's even scarier. I mean, is what the Bible says. We need God to lead us out of the darkness and into the light. The truth we stand on is the truth of God's word. And 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive. And in Romans 12, it says, Renew your mind. Okay, so we can put those together and say, Listen, we need to take every thought captive because what does Satan do? He is the liar. And what he wants to do is he wants to come in and be like, oh, you, you're going down. You're the, God is against you. He's not doing anything for you. Look at your situation. Where is he gone? He's, 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 he's not even in the picture anymore. Come, come and do what you want to do. And he puts all this, this, this lies in our heads. And we then become sometimes in agreement with those. But what we have to do, guys, is we have to say, no, I'm taking that thought captive. That is not what God's word says. And I'm going to submit to God's word. And I'm going to take that thought. I'm going to take it. And I'm going to hold on to it and throw it away. Because it's not from God. But what we are going to do, the renewing of the mind comes with this. When we take that thought captive and it's gone and we say we're not going to believe that trash, that lie. And we do say, but I am going to renew my mind and I'm going to use God's word because that's the truth. And I'm renewing it. I'm speaking it. I'm saying it. I'm not going to think the way I used to think. I'm going to think the new way, the right way, God's way. That's what we need to do. And just in conclusion here, we, we want revival, right? We all say, yeah, I want revival. We, we need and want a great awakening. We want to see people awaken from their sleep, from their struggles, from the, from the hardship, from, from being depressed and not following what God has for them. But I love this. Verse 40, chapter 43, verse 4 then I will go to the altar of God to my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the leer, O oh God, my God. What was the altar used for? The altar was used for sacrifices, right? They would sacrifice the animal, put it on there. And in the Old Testament, as an atonement for sin, right? And I, I think part of this, now I think I know part of this, right, is that when we believe a lie and we follow that lie, we're sinning. We're sinning. And sometimes the sin is what causes this to begin with. And so we need to be putting our sin on the altar and asking God to forgive us for not being faithful to him. God, I'm sorry for putting my eyes on myself. God, I'm sorry for, for what I've done. And we need to come back and we need to say, God, I'm putting this on the altar. God, I, I, forgive me for, for living like this. I'm putting my hope and my trust in you. And just like Acts says, when we repent, that's when joy comes, refreshment. And that's, that's what he's saying is, listen, I will again praise his name with the, with 
my salvation and my God. And so we, we want to see to be changed. We want people to be changed. And uh, what will happen when we, when we do not stuff our struggles? Because a lot of times some people would be like, I have no issue. Because we've, we've, what we've done is we've actually taken, uh, which is easier here in America, I feel like, now I've been in another place. But it's easy just to like, okay, we're struggling, but for years we've just put it away. We've stuffed it deep down. Maybe, maybe we've just started getting really into entertainment. Like we just want to entertain ourselves all the time because we don't want to stop and think about the pain and the issues that we have in our lives. Sometimes it's, it's work. I'm just going to be more busy at work than I don't have to think about my relationship with God. And I don't have to think about how I'm struggling and how, I've, how, I've, how I'm not close to him. We have all these things that we just kind of stuff our, 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 our issues down deep. And, and what God wants to do is he says, listen, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? On the top of the, uh, of the ocean, you see just a little bit of the iceberg. And so in our lives, sometimes we see just, just a little bit of this spiritual depression or, or the outworkings of, of, of the sin issue that's in our life. But underneath the ocean is the biggest part of the iceberg, And so if we don't go down below and go to the root issue and we just kind of stuff all in to mask the 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 top of it. So we're so it's like everything's good. It's not good. We need to go deep and allow the Lord to change us. And so I think we're going to have one more worship song today right now. And, um, you know, just as. As they're, as they're coming and playing, I'm asking the Lord to do something in our lives. Because maybe you're like me. Maybe, maybe you're like Mandy and I. And today you're like, I'm struggling. And maybe you've been struggling for a long time. And you've just never wanted to. You've masked it. Maybe people don't even know what's really going on in your heart. And today you're like, God, I'm hoping in you. Because I'm just going to do this thing. I'm going after you with everything I have. I don't care who sees me. I don't care if I come up and people are praying for me. Because I'm sick of it. God, you're my only hope. You see, we can't care what other people think. In fact, every person in here should care about their neighbor. And want to pray for them to be delivered from, from this sort of a thing. I'm saying even pastors, they, they deal with this thing. You know, a lot of pastors, they, they get upset because they're not seeing, they get, they get this spiritual depression because they're not seeing the fruit in their, in their church that they want to see. Sometimes even as pastors, that can be depressing. God, where are you? Why is my church not, not, not going, going the way I think it should go? Many pastors quit the ministry because of that. So I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is whether you're, you're a pastor or whether you've, this is your first time at a church, hope in God. Be changed. Be humbled before Him today. And so whether you come up during this song and you get on your knees and you say, God, I'm going after you. I'm, I'm giving, giving my hope to you, God. I'm thirsty. I, I can't live this way anymore. I'm gonna, I want a new relationship. We come up and we can just, you can stand, you can bow, you can stand in your sit in your seat for all I care. But what does make the difference is the transaction in your heart before God. And to get before Him and say, I'm, I'm God, I'm going after you. I'm sick of this. I'm not going to be spiritually depressed anymore. 
there. You have so much more. What does it say? Exceeding joy. That doesn't sound like I'm, I'm, I'm good some of the time. Man, exceeding joy. If you don't have that this morning, he's got it for you. All this other junk just needs to get out of the way.
Father, I pray that hope would rise in this place today, in Jesus' name. The hope of salvation, the hope of new creation, your work in our life, the hope of the presence of your Spirit at work deep in our lives, the hope that that you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray that our hope would be anchored in truth. I pray it would be anchored in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God, that that we, we have confidence, we have absolute confidence that you are who you say you are, that you have accomplished what you, what you say that you've accomplished through Jesus, and that our hope is anchored in that. Like it says in Romans chapter 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Abounding in hope, Lord. God, lift people up, even this morning, even now, God, even now, out of this place of spiritual darkness, in Jesus' name, and the things we learned today about preaching to ourselves and cultivating a longing for God and going after you and praying that your light and your truth would shine into our darkness when we find ourselves in a dark place. God, I pray we take these things and you remind us of these things, Holy Spirit, that we would practice these things and learn to fight for joy and fight for hope. God, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Brian just passionately bearing his heart and bringing and giving not only his a word, but God also just a bit of himself, Lord, which he always does. Thank you so much for that, God. And as we close this morning, God, I just pray that you would continue to move in people's hearts just to sit still, do business with you, come up for prayer. God, I pray that everyone here this morning, just as I I spoke this before, I'll speak it again, this blessing over your church this morning, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. May that be what we do this morning, abounding in hope by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you want prayer this morning, Brian's going to be up here, I know, and some others will as well. Um, 
Jesus' name, you're dismissed.